Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Lamed. Um, I'm going to go from the new parak. We'll start the new parak at the bottom of Chavtes Lamed Beis 29b. So just towards the end of the last parak, we were learning about. It's quite actually. It's it's a little bit hard to define, but it's what's called uvda dechol, weekday practices. In the context that we're discussing, I don't think it's limited to this definition. But in the context that we're discussing, the definition would be business-like practices. You're not allowed to do something on Yom Tov or Shabbos that is, that is business-like. If it's the normal way you would do it in your business, in your shop, in your something like that, then you're not allowed to do it on Yom Tov. It's what's called Uvda Dechol. There are other aspects to this. Um, what's, when we use the phrase Uvda Dechol, there are other aspects. Um, but this would be uh, this at the moment, at least the context of our discussion. This is the that would be the definition. Um, okay, so the the parak starts. If someone's transporting wine from one place to the next, I imagine this is from your cellar to your sukkah or from your um, from your storehouse to your house, or from your neighbor to your house, um, you know, that sort of tra- transport is a wine. Not allowed to transport it in a box or a basket. You can carry it on your shoulders, or in front of you. Now, this is, you can imagine it's very similar. If you're carrying a box of wine, so you know what do they hold? They hold like 12 bottles of wine. That's very similar to how someone would be traveling or transporting, not traveling, transporting wine. Um, when they're trading it or for business for a long term, and that would be Uvdu Dechol. Generally, the amount of jugs of wine that they could carry on their shoulders or holding them in front of them, the actual jugs of wine, would be a lot less. It would be the amount that someone carries specifically for what they need. So if you see someone walking down the street carrying a box of wine, you know, it looks like they might be up to business. And that's it's a business-like practice, let's call it like that. And But if they're just holding the bottles in front of them, or on their shoulders, okay, that doesn't look like Uvdutuchol, and that would be fine. So to someone who's moving, transporting straw for his animals to eat, you mustn't lower it onto your back. Again, that's very transport-like Uvdutuchol. Um, um, it looks like you want to transport a lot. But he can carry it in his hands. Also, interesting, yeah, an added factor here is that if you're doing a large amount, it looks like you're doing more than for what you need, which then it's more likely you're not doing it just for Yom Tov. If you're doing something that, you know, so if you're carrying two bottles of wine, one in each hand, okay, that looks like that's what you're having for lunch on Yom Tov. But if you're carrying a whole box of wine, well, now it looks like you're involved in rearranging your storehouse or buying or something like that. Okay, umadchilin ba'aroma. This this line is a little bit cryptic, but the Gemara will explain it. Umadchilin ba'aroma sateven. You can start using a stack of straw. Avaloi ba'etzim sheba mukta, but not allowed. You're not allowed to use wood that's in the mukta. Um, Rashi explains this aroma sateven is a stack of straw, so they would have this. It's stored straw, so you weren't like necessarily going to use it on Yontav. It's your, from your storeroom. But you're allowed to go and take it to feed your animals. Um, 
You're allowed to yeah, take because it's often used for fuel. The straw you can go take some and feed your animals. What it does sound is like the opinion of Rabbi Shimon that says Laisle Muktsa, there's no problem of Muktsa. Again, because this isn't by the fact that it was this aromas tevin, by the fact it was in your storehouse, it was unlikely that you were going to use it. You didn't designate it to use for Yom Tev, but still he says you can use it. So it seems like Rabbi Shimon. And then we say, not the wood in the storehouse, in the backyard. Their backyard's kind of, I don't remember if, I don't know if you remember from Eruvin, but it was kind of like at the back of their house, but they wouldn't use it at all. It was like for long-term storage you know, kind of the the back, the far back corner of the garage, which you keep stuff, but you never, ever, ever, ever go. So that's what this uh, this uh, muktzah was. Um, interesting enough, the name similar to muktzah set aside. It's stuff that you put aside there with no intention to take any time soon. Um, so now it says, but again, this seems to contradict the previous point because. By the fact that you're not allowed to use the wood there, implies that there is a problem of mukts of things that could be used but are undesignated. Okay, so just back to the Gomorrah, which goes back to the first point, is we limited the way that one is allowed to carry one. Now the problem arises, what happens if he's having many guests? What happens if you're having a huge party over Yom Tov, huge lunch? And you're going to need a whole case of wine. You're going to need a whole box of wine. Carrying two bottles is not enough. So what do you do there? So he says, If there's no other way to carry it, then it's mutar. So it's all very well to tell someone who's carrying two bottles of wine, you know, carry them in your hands. But if he needs 12 bottles of wine, 10 bottles of wine, probably even 5 bottles of wine, you can't tell him to do that. If it's impossible, he can carry it in the normal way he would carry it. Now, what the Gomorrah is going to go through is the whole way of carrying. And basically, something that was... Um, that takes a lot of effort to carry, then they would, I mean the starting point is that he would carry on his shoulders, but as we're going to go through it, you should try to carry it in a different way, but it needs to meet two criteria. One is it's a different way, and also that it's easier, or equivalent. It's not good enough to tell someone to carry in a different way, but it's going to be much harder, because again, remember also on Yom Tov, We've, we've mentioned a few things. You're not allowed to do things that are tirchi yaseira, unnecessary exertion. So, Tana Rava, Itkin Rava, Mechuza Rava instituted in Mechuza that the Doru Baduchka, something that's difficult to carry, that they would carry on their shoulders, Lidru Baragla carry with some sort of pitchfork. Interesting enough, if you look at Rashi, he brings the old French, says Baragla, he says Atar, which we know is a pitchfork, Shekoirin, and then he spells it a fork. If you look at Pavov Reish Kuf Ayin, so in uh, Old French, fork is very similar to our pitchfork, um, but that's it's a way that they would carry, which would actually make it easier to carry. The Dora Baragla, Lidru Baagra. Um, the, uh, the Doru Baragla, if it's something that they would normally carry on a pitchfork, Lidru Baagra, they should carry it in this way that with pole that takes two people to carry it. Again, it's not that they would normally just go to the effort and carry it with the pitchfork. Now do it in the easier, unusual way of carrying it in this pole that takes two people. The Doru Baagra, Lidru Baagra, 
Ba'akfa. If it's something that takes two people to carry, or would be carried carry it by a one, uh, yeah, let's call the previous one a two-person pole transport system. Use the one-person transport system. And if it's normally carried ba'akfa and you can't find another way to carry it, then at least spread a cloth over it. The im lo efshar. If there's no other way to do it, shari, you can do it. To amamar im shanos mutar. If there's no other way to do it, then it's permitted. So again, we see that this uvda dechol seems to be a lechachila. Rather, when you're carrying a load, don't carry in the usual way that you would carry if you were doing business or if you were transporting a excessive amount. And secondly, if so, therefore you should do it with a shinui. Um, but if you are going to do it with a shinui. The shino must be to make it easier, or, or at least equivalent. Don't do it. It's something that's going to be much harder. Okay, so Amalei Rav Chanin by Rav Ler Ravashi, Rav Chanin by Rav Zet Ravashi, Eimu Rabban and Kamade Efshel Shino Yemashanina and Biyomotuva. So we have a principle where possible, you should do it in a different way on Yom Tov. Oh, what about these women? When they fill in their buckets of water from the river, they don't change at all. And the Rabbonin don't tell them anything. The Rabbis of Mechuzah... I'm sorry. The, the Rabbis have never told these women that they must try to carry their buckets in a different way. So it, clearly it's not uh, essential so Omar Lai says, no, Mishum de la Efsha. He says, there's no better way for them to carry a bucket of water. There's no shinui that they can do. And now we're going to go through all the different, uh, he's, he's going to suggest, he says, what, what would you suggest? And say, would you suggest, A, well, it, it doesn't help, B, etc. He says, why? He says, Mish, Heichi, Leivet, how should they carry the bucket with the shinui? He says, Dilma b'chatva rabba, timni b'chatva zuta. Maybe you're going to tell me if they usually use a large bucket, they should use a small bucket. Oh, komachya b'halucha, you're going to make them walk that much many more times. Okay, they normally fill a five liter bucket of water for their, for their yomt of cooking. And now you're going to tell them, no, rather use a one liter bottle. But now they're going to have to go to the river five times. So they're going to have to walk much more. So that's not a good solution. Maybe he'll say the woman who uses small jars should use a large jar. He says, it's much heavier. So maybe you're going to tell them instead of carrying your two liters of water, one liter of water, carry a five liter of water. He says, that's a much heavier load. So it doesn't, again, as I pointed, according to the Pshat I was giving that, it doesn't help when you're going to make someone do more effort. That's not the shinui we're looking for. There's our tichseh so maybe they should cover it with a lid. Maybe they will, it will fall off, this lid that they've placed over the bucket. Again, an unusual way of carrying Similar as we saw placing a cloth over a, over a burden you're carrying. So it's a lot more, it says, but it will drop and maybe they will come to carry it. So it's, it's so much more work to just go, well, there's two problems here. One is I was thinking maybe it's just so much more work. You know, you, you're carrying this bucket and the lid falls off. You have to stop and pick up the lid and put it back on and you carry another few meters and then it falls off. So that's also hard work. It's harder than if you could just carry the bucket in the normal way that you carried it. And the second problem, but this is a little bit more tricky and halakhically, is are you, if it's not really necessary for Yom Tov, to put the, why are you putting the lid on the bucket? To make it a strange way of carrying. But you don't need the lid. 
So are you allowed to carry something that you have no need for? Either muktzah or uh, or maybe it's doing malacha for oichel nefesh and something that you, that's un, that's unnecessary. Um, so you run into you might run into some halachic problems as well. Okay, fine. So you can't. So it's of tikturate. So just tie the lid on. You worry the lid will fall off. Tie it on. He says no. It might become detached. And you're going to tie it on. And if you tie it on and use a knot, well, then you've done an Isidor Ice of tying a knot. There's, okay, fine. So you can't tell them to change the size they're jugging, uh, carrying, of jugs they're carrying, or buckets of water they're carrying. You can't tell them to tie a lid on. It says, Tifro Sutra let them at least spread a little cloth over. There's no Zimnim de Matam de Matmish. Sometimes it will get um, uh, soaked. But Maya with the water of Isilare Schitta and they will come to do schitta squeezing out. Hilkachlo Efshar. So as we see, there's no better way for them to do it. Um, I'll come back to the schitta point. But again, just to um, to put in one piece. Again, they were carrying these buckets. They said, shouldn't we tell them that they have to do a shinui? It's Yomtev. They shouldn't be carrying these buckets of water that they're drawing from the river in the normal manner. Now she says if there was a simple shinoi that they could do to highlight that it's that they're not doing uv the whole, not doing it in the usual manner, we would encourage it. But there's no better way to do it. And therefore they're allowed to carry in their usual manner. Similar like we said, someone's got to carry um, ten bottles of wine to uh, to his lunch. He's having many, many guests. So to tell him what how you're gonna tell him he should rather carry them with a change. No, the easiest way and the best way is in a box. So there he would be allowed to carry it in a box. And just interesting with schitter, Tosos touches on it here. Um, but what's the problem with schitter squeezing water out of a cloth? So there are at least two problems that you kind of have to keep in mind every time you're coming to do schitter. One is mefarek, similar to threshing, squeezing fruit or juice when you want the liquid out, when you want what's absorbed in the cloth, or similar to you want the grain that's um, encased in the chaff or you want the juice that's absorbed in the fruit you want to squeeze it and get it out you want that juice or you want that liquid that's mefarek that's the one issue with schitta another issue is malab and cleaning part of cleaning is wringing the garments now just different times you transgress different isurim firstly if you think about it if you spill dirt something dirty wine in a, in a, and you use a cloth to clean up the wine, and then you squeeze out the wine. That's not cleaning, because it's dirty. The rag's dirty, you'd first soak it in water and then squeeze it out. So squeezing wine out of a cloth is not necessarily cleaning the cloth, unless you say the wine acts as a sort of detergent, but on the surface, squeezing something dirty out of a cloth is not mefarek, because you don't want it. On the other hand, um, sorry, it's not malaben, it's not cleaning. On the other hand, if you want that liquid, so you want the wine, and you're going to use, then it's mafarek. Um, so there would be there would be cases where it could be one or the other. Sometimes it might be both. Um, again, similarly, if you don't want what's in it and you're just squeezing it out to chuck it, um, then again, that would not necessarily be mafarek because mafarek you want the liquid, you want the in what's absorbed inside in your cup or in the bowl. So therefore that would, would be mafarek, but if you're doing it to chuck it away, then it's not necessarily mafarek. So there are times when you would when it would be different. Um, but again in general 
um, schita is also um, squeezing a cloth out would be also. Okay, so let's cut once we um, once we mentioned this concept of do we expect the chachomim to stop people doing what they shouldn't do? Because that's what the whole premise of the discussion started with Rav Hanan Barov Bar saying to Ravashi, why have you never told these women to carry their buckets in a different way? You see, you're the Rav of the town, you must tell them how to do it correctly. So he says, Omele Rav Bar Hanin, Rav Bar Rav Hanin Labaya, Rav Bar Rav Hanin said to Abaya, Tanan we learned in the Mishnah, Ein Metachlin, Ba'en Masafkin, Ba'en Maraktin. He says, you're not allowed to clap or slap your thighs or dance. You're not allowed to do that on Shabbos or Yom Tov. But we see all the time people doing this, clapping and dancing, etc. So how come you've never told them to stop? So he says, He says, well, according to your logic, we have another problem. I, this, that you're saying, the Rabbonin are expected to stop people doing Isurim. He says, Rava says a person is not allowed to sit by a lechi in case what he's holding rolls out and he pulls it back in. Remember, Mabui, the, the alleyway, the cul-de-sac, that you put a post at the end to allow you to carry in it. So it's brought, you shouldn't sit right by the entrance, by the lechi, that one post, because you might drop what you think, it will roll into the street, and when you reach out to get it and pull it back in, that's taking from your mab, from the Rishus Harabim into your Maboy. So you shouldn't sit there. It says, We see many women who take their buckets and they sit by the entrance of the Maboy. And no one tells them to stop. So what's going on here? So what are you going to answer there? Why do we not stop the woman sitting by the entrance? And we're going to use that same answer to explain why we don't stop people clapping and dancing. So he says, He says, Leave B'nai Yisrael alone. It's better that they do something wrong by mistake than that they do it on purpose. So Hachanami, just as we say that by the woman who sit by the entrance of the Mabui, will say so to here. By those who clap and dance. It's better that they do it by mistake and they don't do it on purpose. Um, so, so very, you're very interesting. No, we should tell them to stop it. It's Osur Drabonon to clap or dance. It's or slap. Yeah, slap on your body to make a beat. It's also also to sit by the entrance. But you know what? People are going to do it anyway. They're not really going to listen. So rather don't tell them, because if you tell them and then they still do it, they're now doing it amazing. They're doing it with awareness that it's also raw, and they're going to do it anyway. So just rather let them do it by mistake. And then the Gemara says, Ava honey, mili, but but Says this is all where it's. Only a isu d'rabbonah, but if it's a isu d'oraisa, you're not allowed to. Velohi loshno b'd'oraisa, veloshno b'd'rabbonah. It makes actually that's not the halacha. Whether it's d'oraisa or whether it's d'rabbonah, lo amrinan lehu midi. Don't say anything to them. I and I'll give you a proof that even where it's d'oraisa, we see that the rabbis rather don't tell someone to stop something that they're not allowed to do. 
let, rather let them do it by mistake than not at all. It says, This that you have to add on to Yom Kippur is Doraisa. I granted we know that the day starts at sunset. You still have to, it's a mitzvah Doraisa, to add on another few minutes, discussion exactly how long, and stop eating and drinking and taking Yom Kippur a few minutes before sunset. It's obligation to add on these few minutes to Yom Kippur. And we see people eat and drink right until Shkia. And we don't, no one tells them to stop. So, we see that even where it's also Doraisa, rather don't tell someone to not do something that they're going to do anyway. That's an interesting uh, concept. This. Rather let people do what they're doing by mistake than let them do it on purpose. If they don't know it's wrong, it's better than that they know it's wrong and they still do it anyway. Um, now, just on this, a few interesting points. So the first one is Tosos. Look at Tosos Dibra Maskil Tanan. It's found in the middle of the page. It says, so Al Gomorrah clearly says from the Mishnah, you're not allowed to clap or dance on Shabbos or Yom Tov. That's a Xerah de Rabon, and as we'll see why. Perush Rashi, Shemi Yataka and Klishur, as Rashi explained, because you might come to fix a musical instrument. It says, However, us, I who live a few hundred years after the Talmud, Sorry, it's permitted. The dafka biyomayim show you bakim lasas klishir shaykh migzar, because specifically in their days when there were many experts on how to make a musical instrument, it was appropriate to make such a gazera. Amaladidan ain't on a bakim lasas klishir, but we don't know how to make musical instruments. Malah shaykh migzar, and therefore there's no reason to make a gazera. I back in the times of the Talmud, if people would start clapping and dancing and get carried away, a few people were likely to put together some musical instruments. And that's uh, also Makeva Patish, Binya, whatever exact uh, Isurim it is, but it's uh, Isurim Doraisa, so therefore there's a Gezerah that they're not allowed to. However, for us, when last did you hear of someone make a musical instrument? So therefore there would be no Isur to clap or dance on Shabbos. Um, now, so that would be a leniency for us nowadays. What's very difficult about this Tosfos, though, is when do we say that a Gezeira falls away because the reason for the Gezeira doesn't apply anymore? And when do we say that the Gezeira stands even though the reason for the Gezeira has fallen away? Um, my mind's gone blank, but there are many Gezeiras that are that we keep anyway, even if the reason doesn't necessarily apply anymore. You could say Natilasidayim for bread. Remember, it's to it's a, it's, a, it's to remind us that in the times when there was truma, that they would you know for truma. Nowadays, no one's tohor anyway. There's no truma. There's no truma tohora. So, but we still vas. Why hasn't the gezeira fallen away? And there might be other reasons also to vas, but. Based on that. So when does a Gezeira stand and when doesn't? Another example that comes up to, um, to do with Shabbos, that's a contemporary discussion whether it should fall away or not, is medicine or therapeutic uh, things on Shabbos. We know anything that you do, Mishim Rufu, is also on Shabbos and Yom Tov. You're not allowed to do something to make someone feel better. 
not allowed to take a panado on Shabbos and Yom Tov. You're not allowed to, uh, what would be the, um, go to physiotherapy. You, would, you know, all these things, they might not be awesome in themselves, but there's exactly, you're not allowed to do anything because of refuah. And if you remember from Shabbos, we learned because you might come to grind and make the medication on Shabbos. It says, when last did you hear of someone making their own medication? So someone is saying, oh, just as Tosfa says here by, um, by musical instruments, that it's not relevant nowadays because the reason doesn't apply, so too by medicine. That's not so straightforward. Um, but just interestingly in Shulchan Aruch, so how do we Paskin? Um, so Shulchan Aruch in Siman Shin Lamed Tes 339 um, Says uh, first, Okay, you're not allowed to clap your hands and slap your hand on your thigh and dance. It's exactly you might come to fix a musical instrument. Says Okay, then he just elaborates on different types of uh, things that are a problem, and it's all because of this You might um, fix or make a klishir. Says, however, you can do, you can clap in an unusual way. So that's very So Shulchan Aruch doesn't pass like this Tosos. Shulchan Aruch says it's still also to clap and dance on Shabbos. The Ramor comes along and says, very interesting. Oh, says, oh, what about this that we find, see that, that we people do clap and dance and no one tells them to stop? When last did the Rav announce on Friday night, guys, please don't clap during the Chadodi at Shabbos? Don't think I've ever heard that in my life. So he says, so he says no. Mishum Because rather let people do something that they're going to do anyway by mistake, then tell them to stop and then they end up doing it on purpose. He says, There are those who say, the Ramos bring in another opinion, it's actually all permitted. Because we're not experts in it, and therefore um, it's very unlikely it's very unlikely that anyone's going to come and make a musical instrument nowadays. Maybe this is why everyone goes lenient. Um, now the Mishra very interestingly says here, um, so it seems from that Shulchan Aruch, it seems ideally we shouldn't be clapping. And the Ramor, the Ramor brings it as a just, he says, we see people clap and dance. So he says, the, the one reason is because of Mutashu, we're not going to tell them to stop because rather let someone do something by mistake, then then let them do it on purpose when they're going to do it anyway. And then he says, But it sounds like pretty, but not, not the best, that people shouldn't. It says, you know, and there are those who hold that the Gezeir has fallen away, and maybe that's why people are so lenient. But again, Naramor doesn't sound like it's something that's good. So why are we, so, so yeah, so that's interesting, um, Ramor. Very interesting. What about yesterday? I'm sure you noticed, in, sure, as I read this halacha, there was a glaring observation from yesterday. Everyone was, even the rabbis were clapping and dancing. 
Isn't that a problem? So the Mishnah Brewer says, he says, you're not allowed to answer. He says, "Vayom simchas Torah, on simchas Torah, mutar lerakeid b'shasha omrim kilusim the Torah." You're allowed to dance when you're saying the praises for the Torah. Mishum kavod Torah for honor of the Torah. It says kiven delays by elam mishum shvus since it's only osud rabbanan. But all other mitzvahs, even for example a wedding, it would be osur. Okay, and then he limits even the leniencies. So very interestingly, it does seem that Shulchan Aruch and the Ramor, as, as the Ramor pointed out, everyone's basically lenient with it. But he, his first reason is that, okay, we're not going to tell them to stop because they're going to do it anyway. And the second reason might be stronger if you pass them like that, as I said, this, based on this Tosfos, that no one knows how to make a musical instrument. It's very unlikely that anyone's going to come make a musical instrument, therefore, or fix a musical instrument, therefore it doesn't matter, the Xerah's fallen isn't relevant anymore. As I said, that in its own right is a huge discussion. When do you say that a Xerah is not relevant and falls away? And when do you say that it stands? Um... But um, and then we saw so there's a leniency for Simchas Torah of all one the one time a year you're allowed to dance on Shabbos or Yom Tov is Simchas Torah. Um, one definition I heard I'm not uh, I don't know if it's so straightforward but one definition I heard in the name of Rav Shechta is that if the reason is sometimes it just says you're not allowed to do something a gazera and then the Gemara or the other uh, uh, commentaries explain the reason. So there's the Xerah, and there's the explanation for the Xerah. It says there the Xerah stands regardless. But sometimes, the Xerah is always mentioned with the reason. Like, for example, it must be learning here, Shema says you're not allowed to dance, clap, etc. Shema yataka and klishir in case you fix the klishir. So we see that fixing the klishir is tied in with the Xerah. So maybe in those situations where clearly the Xerah is linked to the reason, then it would be, uh, um, then maybe it falls away if the reason falls away. Okay, but that's the thing. Then just one more, um, one further point is it's a big discussion. We just said a very interesting halacha. If someone's not going to listen to you, rather don't tell them to do it. Rather let them do it by mistake than tell them not to do it when they're going to do it anyway. So, most, many, many commentaries limit this and say it doesn't apply to something that's explicit in the Torah. So here, how do we know that you have to keep Tosef as Yom HaKippurim? It's learned out from a drosha because it seems to imply that you must fast on the ninth day of the month, but we know you don't fast. Oh, Tosef as Yom HaKippurim, you've got to add. It's a drosha. Therefore, even though it's a Dindar Isa, we say rather let people do it by mistake. But if it's something clearly written in the Torah, then you have to tell them. That's the one aspect. Um, we don't apply this principle of rather let someone do it by mistake than do it on, don't tell them so that they're rather only doing it by mistake than doing it on purpose, whereby something that's clearly in the, written in the Chumash. Um, and a second interesting point they bring is if you know, oh, if they might listen, if they definitely won't listen, then you don't tell them. If they will listen, well, there's a mitzvah of tochocha. There's a mitzvah in the Torah to give someone rebuke, to chastise them. In some contexts, it's even brought. You should give rebuke to the degree that they're almost going to 
hit you for. Um, you know, sometimes you tell someone what to do or you encourage them and motivate them. It gets a bit much and they're about to hit you for telling them what to do. So that's, it's like implied that that's how far you have to go. Um, I think we're generally reluctant to push it too much, uh, rebuke, but um, but sorry, where it's uh, sorry, I got distracted. Yeah. Oh, but it seems from the Mishnah Bura in in this discussion. And where he's discussing Tosefes Yom Kippurim, if they might listen, if it's a sofek whether the person will listen, then you should tell them, you should give tochacha. But again, just remember when giving rebuke and telling someone what to do, you've got to do it in a very sensitive way, because if you cause them too much aggravation, or you, or they don't appreciate the one the way that you've done it, then they can actually it can be counterproductive. That's where elsewhere where we say the. Um, the Gemara elsewhere says that the way of giving rebuke has been lost from the world. Okay, let's carry on into the next piece. So he said, in the Mishnah, he says, you can start taking straw from the aromas hatevin, which again, kind of like, let's just say the storehouse. But, and then we said, what seems to be contradictory is you're not allowed to take wood from the muktza, from the backyard. So if you hold that muktza, this concept of muktza, yeah, before we go on, I'll just mention there seems to be from this coming up sukiya three categories that we're going to discuss. Obviously, you have something that's designated to use on mukta. Use, use is not mukta. So, for example, I take some wood from my garden or I take some straw and I put it near the stove to burn on Yom Tov. You know, you go, you buy a bag of coal and you put it next to the bra to use on Yom Tov. Okay, that's designated to use on Yom Tov. That's according to Ephraim, not Mutza. On the opposite extreme, it would be something that's put aside not to use on Yom Tov. As for example, we're going to see like beams for building. Like building a roof of your house, you've got this very expensive, it's expensive, it's a very special expensive wood that they use for the rafters of a, of a roof. So that's set aside to not use on Yom Tov. That's the opposite of designated for Yom Tov. That's designated to not use on Yom Tov. Um, so that would be, um, that everyone would agree is Mukta. The issue under discussion, this is all, I'm just bringing this out in advance, it will make the, the, the sugya but easier the issue under discussion is something that's not designated to use on Yom Tov, but very usable on Yom Tov. like we said straw as we're going to see like straw in the in the storeroom it's in the storeroom which kind of tells us that you weren't planning on using it on Yom Tov. but straws used on Yom Tov for lighting fires so it's very usable that's where the machlokas is it's something that's not designated but but could be used. So let's just see. By the fact that it says you can use straw from the Arima Sateven, that implies you can go straight to the storehouse and get some straw. That seems to be like Rabbi Shimon, that there's no such thing as Muktza. Again, because it's usable, the straw is usable, even though you weren't planning on using it. You left it, out in the, you left it out in the shed in the back corner of the garden. You weren't planning on using it. But it's usable, so it's not mukta. It says, aim a safer, but then the very next line of the Mishnah says, Avaloba aitim shabba not wood that's in the backyard. Asana rebuta, dislay mukta. That seems to follow rebuta, holds there is mukta. Because why can't you use, granted you weren't planning on using that wood, that's why it's out in the backyard, but 
that wood is should be allowed to use. So he says, no, hacha ba'arze ba'suche askinen to muksi machmas chesron kis. No, here it's a Rebbe Shimon. But this, the wood that we're talking about is these types of cedar beams that are used, that are muksa machmas chesron kis. Literally, because of a, it sounds like a loss of money, but basically they designated for building, they designated for another purpose. And I feel Rebbe Shimon Moide, even Rebbe Shimon agrees. Um, so again, anything that has a designated purpose for another reason, even if it could be used on Yom Tov, is mukta. So like these beams for building, they're not going to be used for firewood. Um, another example, I mean this example would only be relevant to Shabbos, not for Yom Tov, because I guess Yom Tov, it's, you can use it, but a Shchitanaf. A shchitanaf on Shabbos is muktzamach mascheshron kis. You're not going to use your shchitanaf for anything besides shchita because you don't want it to get damaged. You don't want it to get nicked. So you're not going to use it to cut a cucumber and therefore, or meat or anything else. Therefore, it's muktzamach mascheshron kis. It's designated to not be used. A fence, you know, there's also the concept that something that you can't use on Yom Tov because it's also, let's say, a pen. If you would use it for a, you can use it for a hetero reason, the, fa- the classic example of using a hammer to crack open nuts. But if you have a, so your pen, you want to use your pen to balance something on, I don't know exactly what you'd use your pen for, that should be fine because it's, it's a cliche malachalisro, but you're using it for a hetero reason. Um, however, if it's a fancy pen, your special, uh, your special, I don't know, uh, fancy fountain pen or something that you only use for signing uh, special documents or special occasions or something like that. That would be muktzah. It's designated to not be used for anything except that that would be muktzah machmas cheshron kis. Okay. Ike de masni lo asayfa. Some actually taught it the other way around. Says avalo ba'etzim she muktzah amar avkahanu zoysa meres ayim atchilim oitzet chila. But the last clause that says you're not allowed to use the wood in the in the backyard. It seems to imply that you're not allowed to take straw from a storehouse. This money, Rabbi Yehuda, he to Islam Muktzah. This seems to be like Rabbi Yehuda, who holds that there is a problem on Muktzah. He says, "Ema Reisha, what about the Reisha Matchilin by Romas Ateven that you can take straw from the storehouse?" He says, "Asan Rabbi Shimon de Leislam Muktzah." That seems to be Rabbi Shimon who says there's no such thing as Muktzah. Says, "No, Hasan betivna Saria, Tivna Saria as Tinya Saria." No, that's with rotting straw. Um, rotting straw. Um, is automatically designated for firewood. You're not going to use it for anything else. It's automatically designated for firewood, and that's fine. Oh, sorry. Tivna, sorry. Oh, no, it's not necessarily automatically pre-designated for firewood. Maybe you're going to use it for mud. No, he says the isle quotes him. It's got thorns in. You can't mush it into mud. If it's got thorns, you're going to spark your hands. So therefore, it is pre-designated for wood, and that's why Rabbi Shimon allows it. Um, okay. So again, as I said, there are these three levels of items, items that you plan to use, you kind of designate them to use on Yom Tov. Those are, everyone agrees, is not Muqsa. On the other extreme, items that are set aside for another purpose to not be used on Yom Tov. We said, for example, beams that you build with. That would be Muqsa according to everyone. It's the middle category of something that you weren't going to necessarily going to use. You didn't designate it to use on Yom Tov, but there's nothing wrong with with that item, it's, it's, it is normally used, that sort of item. Okay, let's go on to the new mission at the top of Lamadam with Bays. So I'll try to speed up a bit. You're not allowed to take wood from the hut 
except what's near to it. Make a distinction. We're going to discuss a sukkah that's a hut, just a thing, or a sukkah that's a sukkah shal mitzvah. At the moment, we're discussing a sukkah that's a hut. Why can't you take wood off the sukkah? On the, at the moment, it tells you can't take some of the schach off, the shade cover of this hut, because it's soiser. It's the opposite of building. It's demolishing, which is one of the 39 malachas. So he says, Sorry, yeah. But the Mishnah says, you are allowed to take from the wood that is near to it. Rashi points out, what do we think it means near to it? Uh, you've got your one layer of schach, and then your second layer of schach. That second layer is somuchlo, what's near to it. So he says, Maishna sukkah de You can't take the actual first layer of schach to kososar ola because you're demolishing the structure, this tent. Mina somuchlo nami kososar ola. Well, it should be the same problem from the wood, the second layer. Says, so Omar Abiyur, Omar Shmuel, no, my somuch, somuch letofonos. No, when we say close, we don't mean on top of the roof, we mean to the walls. Rashi explains, the roof is all just this pile of schach on top, the pile of leaves that you cause in the shade color, cover. And therefore, whether you take from the bottom layer or the top layer or any part of it, it's all part of the roof. Says, but the, the walls, they used to weave the sticks together. So if you just have a few sticks leaning on this wall, they're clearly distinct. They're not bottled to the wall because you have the wall which is woven together. I guess you take sticks and you wind them with uh, vines or something to hold them to, or reeds to hold them in place. That's how you make the wall. So this stick that's just leaning against the wall is clearly not part of the wall and therefore it's not so safe. Rabbi Manasseh, Omar Manasseh says, no, You can say we're not discussing this wood that's leaning on the walls, but we're actually discussing the roof. And there we're discussing where it's bundled. I, you have your schach, and on top of your you have your kava. I don't want to use the word schach because remember we're discussing a hut, not a sukkah. So you have these bundles as your shade kava. Sorry, you have your shade cover, and then on top of it you have these bundles, which Rashi explains by the fact that you left them as bundles of reeds or bundles of woods, you clearly don't want it to be used as part of the roof, and therefore you can take it off. It's not destroying the roof, destroying the hut. It says, You're not allowed to take wood that's, again, near the sukkah, but... Sorry, you're not allowed to take wood from the sukkah, but you can take what's near the sukkah. And Rabbi Shimon permits you, Vashomim Vasukah Sachag Bachag Shosura. They both agree that a sukkah on Chag on sukkah is Osur. So we're running, a, we're running about eight days late for this Gomorrah. But he says, Vim Hisne Oleo Hakolafitano. But if you make a condition, the condition stands. Okay, we're going to analyze this price. So the first point we said is you're not allowed to take um, from the Sachag. But Rabbi Sh- rather from what's near to it, but Rabbi Shimon says you can. So Rabbi Shimon Matir, of a whole cost saucer Allah, but isn't it demolishing? Isn't it a soiser? So it says, Omar, and we're dealing with a sukkah that has fallen down already. But Rabbi Shimon, the time man, Rabbi Shimon is going according to his understanding. The Laisle Muksa, there's no such thing as Muksa. Oh, the Tanya Moisar Hashem in Chabanevel Sheka also very Bishimon Matir. If you have leftover, if your candle, so you put, uh, you had a, their lamp and you had a whole lot of oil in the lamp, it's all Muksa when the candles are locked because you, if you take from the oil, it's the same as extinguishing because the candle's going to burn for shorter. But if the candle goes out, 
So according to the first opinion, it is mukta because when Shabbos came in, you couldn't use it. And according to Rabbi Shimon, it is permitted because he doesn't hold for mukta. Oil can be used. So what? You couldn't use it when Shabbos came in. Now the candle's out. You can use it. He says, oh, me, Domi, you can't really compare the cases. There a person waits for his candle to out to go out. Ah, you know your candle's going to go out and there's going to be some oil left. So your mind is really on it. He says, It's a person aware that his sukkah is going to fall down. So grant, so the, so the, the wood of the sukkah is, is a higher level of mukta. It's not like here where you actually plan on using it. In your mind, you're like, when the candle goes out, I'll use the leftover oil. That's why Rabbi Shimon's lenient there. But by the sukkah, you're never saying, when it falls down, I'm going to. You don't want your sukkah, the, the hut, to fall down. So says, no. We're actually discussing a rickety sukkah that he actually expected it to fall down. And therefore, he was, he's like, oh, when it falls down, I'll use the wood for my fire on Yom Tov. Again, remember that that must be discussing, as we'll see, a sukkah, a hut. Not a sukkah, sukkah, but a hut. So you have a little uh, canopy in your garden with the wood on, and you expect it to collapse on Pesach or Then you can use it, it's not mukta. Of Vashavin, then we mentioned Vashavin with Sukkah Sachai Bachag Shia Surah Vim Hisne Oleo Hakol Fitana. However, if it's a Sukkah on Sukkah, then it's Asur. Because the even if it collapses, it's Asur. But if you make a condition, then it's fine. I, our, our, our initial thought at the moment is if I say that I'm building this as my Sukkah, and if it falls down, or after two days, it's not part of the Sukkah anymore, and I can use it for what I want. The, the reason that it is mukta is because when you build your sukkah, it's designated for the mitzvah, and the mitzvah lasts for the seven days of sukkahs. And that's why, even if it falls down or in the middle, you're not allowed to take from it. He says, Umi Mahani tonight as a condition help. We're going to see that it's also the to take from the sukkah over sukkahs. And therefore, even if you make a condition, that's like, it doesn't help. It's already included in the Isur. So he says, why? Um, Rav Sheshesh said in the name of Rabbi Akiva, How do we know that the wood of a sukkah is also all seven days of sukkah? The Chaga sukkah will be to Hashem for seven days. How do you know that just as the Chagiga Korban becomes designated to Hashem and you're not allowed to get any benefit from the Korban, so to the actual sukkah it becomes designated to Hashem and you're not allowed to get any benefit from it. Talmud Laimar, Chaga Sukkot Shivas Yomim LaHashem, Chag LaHashem, the festival, Chag, is an allusion to the Chagiga, the Korban of Sukkot, it's seven days to Hashem. Just as the Chag is to Hashem, the Chagiga, Af Sukkot LaHashem, so too, Sukkot is for Hashem. Aye, so we see that it's also Do'oraisa, the Sukkot becomes like a Korban. You can't get benefit from it. So how can you come along and say, no, I make, you can't say I'm making this my korban on condition that in three days I can get benefit from it. You can't do that. So so too, you shouldn't be allowed to do that with your sukkah. It's going against the Isidore Isa. That, that's how I understand the sukkah. So Omar Ramanashia, Bereid the Rava. Ramanashia, Bereid the Rava says, no, say for us and the sukkah to Alma. The last clause is going back on a regular sukkah. Not a mitzvah sukkah, but a regular sukkah. I, that... If on Erev Shabbos you say, Erev Yom Tov, you say, if my, if my sukkah falls down, I'll use the wood, 
that's okay. That's what we're talking about. I'm not talking about a sukkah sukkah falling down. It says, oh, I'm a sukkah, the mitzvah, lo mahani botanai, but a sukkah used for the mitzvah, no condition helps. As we've seen, the Torah says it's as if it's a korban. You can't get benefit from it. So you can't come along and say, I'm making a condition that I can get benefit. Oh, the sukkah, the mitzvah, the mitzvah, lo, you're telling me you can't get benefit from a sukkah, the mitzvah. You can't make this condition. It says, you can't make a... You can't make a clause in the contract when, you, when you're building your sukkah. It says, If you put on the correct amount, and you decorate it with woven and embroidered sheets. And you decorate it by hanging all these different fruits in it. Wine, oil, and flour. And uh, wreaths of... Uh, Wheat also is tapping mehem and motze yomtem achron shalachak. You're not allowed to get benefit from them until the end of till after sukkah. Oh, the im his nealem akolafitno. But if you made a condition, it all goes according to the condition. Sounds like you are allowed to make a condition. So I'm hanging these uh, I'm hanging these uh, jars of oil in my flour in my sukkah. But by cholamoyed sukkahs, I'm allowed to use them. See, you are allowed to make a condition, and we said schach as well. You can make a condition. So it doesn't make sense. First, we said you can't make a condition, but it seems very clearly from this price that you can make a condition. So Abai and Rabbi, Domri Tabayu, both Abai and Rabbi explained, but Omer any Bodomahem called Bain Ashmoshos. It's where you say, I don't separate myself from them over Bain Ashmoshos. I remember, when does the Sukkah get its Kedusha? When Sukkah comes in. If you say while Sukkah is coming in that those items are not becoming part of the Sukkah, then they don't become Kodesh. So interesting enough, anything like the Schach, you can't say that. Because the Schach cannot be, if I understand correctly, the Schach cannot become part of the Sukkah. Maybe it can't. Or maybe you can do it with the Schach. Um, but that would be anything similar. And um, so too with the hut you would run into trouble because, I mean, not the Sukkah, but the actual hut, you can't say, if my, I'm, I'm not allowing the wood on my hut well, remember the hut, what you want? You want to take some of the wood and use it as, as firewood. Well, that's soysis. So as soon as Bein Ashmoshes comes in, it becomes forbidden to do. Um, okay, but the main point here is that you're saying the decorations that I'm putting in my sukkah and probably the schach as well, I do not want them to be part of the sukkah. I'm not, I'm not letting them be part of the sukkah. And for all intents and purposes. And then the Kedusha does not fall on them. But the actual wood of the Sukkah, that becomes Kodosh for all seven days. Oh, what about the case where we said that if you separate seven Esrogim, one for each day of Sukkahs, as soon as you finish with the mitzvah, either Kuntarav, you can eat it straight away or at least the country of Asi, you can eat it the next day. But either way, shouldn't the estrog, the, each estrog should be asur for the whole of Sukkah. No, he says, no, since you can't, the night separates the day. You can't get benefit from your estrog. You can't use your estrog and not. So each of the seven days of Sukkah is a separate mitzvah. And that's why you can make a point to, if you take one estrog and you plan on using that over your whole Sukkah, okay, then it's also tool for the whole of Sukkah. But if your plan is just to get it for... Um, Um, but if you buy a separate one for each day, well then clearly it's 
this thing for that day. Hachat the lomisak yulalas miyomim, but by the actual sukkah, there's no distinction between night and days. Kula yomakachade yumarichahu. All seven days of sukkahs are like one long day. Okay, so now we've seen the difference between um, these types of muktzah when your sukkah would become osur, or the decorations of your sukkah would become osur, and does this making a condition that it should not become kodesh for the whole of sukkahs actually help? Okay, and we'll leave it there for today.